And bonjour all you gardening cats and gators. Welcome to Gardening with Cisco. I'm back. <laughs> hey, I want to thank Marty Wingate for uh, hosting the show on December 7th. And I was off seeing uh, brothers and sisters and family in Chicago. And, you know, why in the world would anybody with a brain decide to have a family reunion in Chicago in the middle of winter? But it uh, wasn't too bad out, to tell you the truth. And did a lot of walking around uh, uh, all over the place there in the Chicago area, so I had a lot of fun. Hey, and uh, I just saw Marty and um, had a good time. We went over to my favorite pub, the Fiddler, her and Leighton and Mary and I, and uh, uh, she was telling me, so she is she's just releasing her seventh mystery. So she has become quite the renowned uh, mystery writer. And if you haven't checked any of her mysteries out, they're really great. So we should have probably put a link to her. But I think if you just look up Mary uh, Wingate, you can uh, find out all about them. I've read uh, six, I think, of her mysteries, and they're quite good. And I, I'm really excited about the new ones. They're always related to something in England where she hangs out Almost more than she hangs out here now, so uh, quite a bit of fun. Hey, um, I don't know if uh, you saw me on... uh, Oh, I should say one thing about uh, when we came back from The Fiddler. So uh, we walk in the house. We had been at The Fiddler for a couple hours. We walk in the house, and I see all this white stuff, like, you know, right in the doorway, you know, and I... I turned to Mary and I said, I wonder if that dog's got into something. I walked into the uh, living room. I couldn't believe my eyes. Six inches deep feathers from one end of the living room through the dining room, down the basement stairs. Guess what they got? My pillow. They got my pillow off the bed. Those rascals! Oh, they had a good time. They really had fun. So uh, I've got a much fatter pillow that I don't like right now. i got to go buy a new pillow for crying out loud. And those little rascals. And how can you even yell at them? We both started laughing so hard. So I took them for a walk at Barry Vacuum. There's still feathers all over the house. I think I don't know if we'll ever get rid of them all. Hey, uh, if you happen to see it, I was on Take 5, the King 5 News Show. Show's at 4 o'clock. I'm on that a lot, and I really enjoy being on it. And uh, the first time I was on there, I answered viewer questions and showed a few cool gift plants. So that was a lot of fun. But uh, So uh, Chris Cashman and I shot a show yesterday morning over at Hunter's Farm Christmas Tree Farm. It's right in my neighborhood, so they sell Christmas trees. And uh, that was so fun on how to pick a cool Christmas tree and keep it looking good for a long time. So if you're about to go buy a Christmas tree and you really want to know some great tips, I recommend that you go to uh, just do a search on, I would do Take 5 on King 5 and put in Cisco, and you'll get that. I haven't seen it myself. I'm going to try and remember to get a chance today. But that was really fun. (laughs) They got so many cool things when you buy a Christmas tree now. 
they have a shaker machine. You put it in there, and it shakes off all the loose needles. And, uh, oh, my gosh, I got to do it. And um, I, I, you'll have to watch it. That's all I got to describe about that. But it was fun. So, uh, hey, and uh, speaking of TV, so uh, Monday on uh, My Northwest, uh that you will see on King 5 at 11 o'clock, you will see a contest between Ed Hume and I who can pick the best gift plants, holiday gift plants. So this is going to be a lot of fun. We re- It's like a smackdown in professional wrestling when we do these things. So, <laughs> And Ed, if you're listening, I'm going to beat the Tweedle out of you this week. So that's a lot of fun. So that's at 11 o'clock on uh, Monday. All right. Now, hey, I got, I'm got i flying solo today, so lots of time to answer your questions. I know this is not guaranteed weather out there today, but I don't get nice rod again. And there is so much gardening you could do outside in wintertime. You know, it's one of the things that kept me in Washington. I hitchhiked here from Wisconsin uh, back when uh, I got out of the surface in uh, 1971. And uh, so uh, when I came here, it was just to see some of my old Army buddies. I was going to hitchhike back to Wischewskin, but uh, it turned out that um, I realized that this is you could garden year-round. I didn't even know that was possible back being uh gardener now and then in Wisconsin, you know, when I was uh, in great, in high school and everything. I actually was the president of the Hardy Workers Club <laughs> when I was 10 years old. So, uh, so anyway, I hope lots of you will give me a call because there is lots of gardening you can do in the wintertime. I for sure have some uh, emails with me, as I always do, so if I don't get many calls— I'll go to emails for sure. Now, uh, since I'll be waiting for some calls to come in, I just want to tell you about a few things that are going on. Uh, And uh, Oh, by the way, everybody, I know I'll be seeing uh, all you folks that are coming with me uh, to Morocco and southern France in February. I'm looking forward to seeing all of you today. So I just want to say hi to you, but I'll be seeing you later. Hey, but there's a big... Uh, arts and crafts and book sale going on at uh, uh, Elizabeth Miller Garden at UW. So that's the biggest horticultural library on the whole Pacific Northwest. And uh, so I will, uh, they're selling all kinds of handmade crafts and things. And it goes till December 27th, anytime the library is open. Just want to let you know that there's two uh, places that are having wonderful um, candle walks. So you get a candle and you walk the gardens. And one is Heronswood and the other one is, uh, is this one's very interesting. It is the, uh, let me go to that quick so I can tell you about that a little better. Okay, is that going to go? All right, it's coming up here. And that that is the uh, the bonsai garden, the bonsai garden, 
And that is uh, down where it used to be the big warehouse uh, rhododendron garden. Well, it's still there. Don't get me wrong, but somebody else owns it now, but uh, not warehouser. But uh, so both of the, they're having a really nice uh, stroll uh, Saturday, December 21st from 4 to 7 p.m. Don't worry, it'll be dark. And you bring flashlights for that one and look at all the bone size in the dark. That sounds pretty cool. And then at Heronswood, they're having a solstice celebration Saturday, September, uh, December, pardon me, 21st from 5 to 7. So uh, that should be really a lot of fun, too. All right. Lots more things going on, but you can go to my events page if you want to find out about those. Don't forget there's going to be a huge um, opening. It's going to be a big launch for my book at Third Place Books. And that is happening January 22nd. There's not much in my uh, website about it yet, but uh, I'll put more and more in there as that's coming up. That's I'm very, very excited about that, my new book called Oh La La. So, <laughs> short stories about gardening and uh, uh, travel and puppies. <laughs> well, what could you do? I want to do something different. All right, listen, I'm... I'm very happy that Gary gave me a call from Bremerton. So after the break, which we're going to take right now on 97.3 Cairo FM, we will come back and carry on. Gary, I'm going to pop you up on the air on 97.3. So right back after this. Thanks a lot for tuning in on this cold, rainy Saturday. Hey, Gary, over in Bremerton, what do you got going on over there? <laughs> Hello, Cisco. Well, Hi. you know, it's winter time, but I, I've been. I don't want. I, I want to run something by you. I don't want to re- reinvent the wheel here. Um, we've been having uh, hummingbirds coming around, so I wanted to keep them coming around as much as possible. We had that cold shot there a few weeks back. So I also have a bird bath, and I have a fountain, like you suggested at one of your talks, that the hummingbirds like to drink out of. Yeah. And I don't remember you describing the fountain you had, but I have one you'd have indoors with the little tears coming down, and then I rigged it up so it had a spout coming out, and they seem to like to drink from that. So what I did on the bird bath, I went and got a aquarium heater, small one, put in there. Cool. And uh, for the little fountain, I got a very they have make a micro one. I put in that, and then for the hummingbird feeder itself, and it's a pancake style because <clears throat> they don't seem to drip as much. Yeah, those are the best those pancake ones. Yeah, I have to fill them a little more often, but. Uh, I just took, I was trying to think how to do that, and I took a regular old Christmas tree bulb, made a little shade out of some foil, and hung that fairly close within an inch or so, and it seems to keep it uh, at the right temperature with, you know, I have a, I have a, a thermometer a little gun that I can check the uh, distance. So that keeps them feeding. I mean, they've been just really uh, flying around here. Is there anything you can suggest? Well, you know, um so here's the thing. Most of the time, hummingbirds won't freeze to death if they can eat. So when 
So if you've got a feeder out there they're dependent on, you can't let that freeze at all costs. So most people have a second uh, hummingbird feeder in the house so that if anything goes wrong or runs out, you can quick put another one up. But uh, one thing you might consider doing if, it get, if we get some really cold weather, get some hand warmers. And uh, what you could do is you could duct tape the hand warmer to the bottom of the pancake uh, hummingbird feeder. That'll keep oh, your – that works really well for about seven hours. So yeah, you can and, get the little tiny ones that goes in your shoe for your toe. Yeah, you know, as long as you got something big enough to to make sure that the temperature that's not going to freeze. I use use the kind, uh, the bigger ones, but but I will tell you something else too. Now, a uh, guy down in Oregon started making heated hummingbird feeders. The only problem is you got to have somewhere to plug it in. But if you've got somewhere you could plug it in, he makes some really good ones now. The first ones had to be under an eave and all that. But now these hummingbird feeders he makes, they could be out in the open. The only thing you have to have, there's no battery-powered ones. They have to be plugged in. But, boy, they work like a charm from – I don't have one, but everybody that tells me about them uh, says they work great. The other thing you might consider doing this is uh, plant a lot of plants that feed hummingbirds in the wintertime. So then if anything goes wrong, they're not totally dependent on your feeder. There's always something in the garden they can go to. And and some of the plants that I rely on, uh, there's something called Grevillea victoriae, which is really a Good plant. I love the tweedle out of it. And uh, they keep blooming through the coldest winters. Another is Mahonia uh, media. And then there's a whole bunch. These are organ grapes from Asia that bloom with big yellow flowers. I just saw two called Hope. I saw one called Hope at uh, over in Heronswood Garden. Oh, is that beautiful. It really stands out. I don't have hope in my garden, but now I'm hunting for it. And these bloom almost all winter long. Oregon grapes from, did you say Asia? Yeah, from Asia. They're hybrids, and they're really good ones. And uh, they they tend to bloom in the coldest weather and keep feeding the hummingbirds. Then Daphne Odora, Sarka Coca, there's... I'll tell you what to do. Go to Cisco.com, C-I-S-C-O-E.com. And when you get in there, go to hit the gardening button, and then you'll see topics, and you'll see a list of the pictures I showed in a talk called Hummingbird Madness. And if you go to about the last eight of the plants that I list, those are all ones that... uh, tend to uh, feed hummingbirds in the winter. They're all ones that bloom in wintertime. Excellent. Yeah, they're great. Now, you might, it's going to be hard to, you might find Mahonia in bloom right now, and you could buy one and plant it. As long as it's not freezing out, you could plant them out there, and they'll keep blooming way into winter. And But most of them you'll probably want to collect over time, and plant those in your garden, and then you'll have a hummingbird haven. I have three. I travel a lot in winter, so I don't hang up a feeder. 
but I have three hummingbirds, Anna's hummingbirds, that never leave my garden all winter long because there's so many plants that feed them that they just love it there. Your hummingbird feeders, they seem to be real territorial, so do you have to have a whole line of feeders, or do they share a bit, or what? It wouldn't be, well, they'll they will share, but if you got a really luckily the anise hummingbirds generally aren't that bad. The the real pain in the Kazutskis are those Rufus hummingbirds, but they're gone. They took off, so I don't think you have to worry too much. I think they'll all figure out a way to get at that hummingbird feeder. Some people do hang two of them where they can't see each see both of the feeders at the same time. But boy, that's a lot of work in winter, and you got to keep both those full, and you know that's that's a little harder to do. I think I don't think you have to worry. I think they'll take their turn. Uh, you know, they'll beat the tweedle out of each other, but <laughs> they'll still. I think everybody will get their turn at the at the pub. There was a little incident that uh, surprised me. I like to fly these about six-inch-long radio-controlled helicopters or plastic ones. Or, uh-huh. They're, they're heavy-duty type, but they're not metal or anything. I was flying it in my back lot, and these hummingbirds had just come down checking it out. So it makes kind of the same no, uh, sound when you hover down. Uh-huh. And it seems to attract them. Oh, um, oh, my gosh. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. They chase the butterflies out of my garden. They're just after anything that they see as competition. Hey, I got to run, Gary. It's time for the news. But that was a great call. Thanks so much for giving me a call, okay? You take care, buddy. All right. Hey, we'll be right back after the news. 97.3 Cairo FM. We're going to go to the phones in a second, but before I do, I just wanted to say two things. One, the Bellevue Botanical Garden Garden Delights is going, and uh, I think it starts at 5 o'clock every night. It's really a fun thing to do if you got relatives in town or something fun with your kids. They, uh, uh, they sculpture all these critters and plants out of lights, and it's really something to see. It gets better every year. And... Uh, also, just in case you want to call, one triple eight nine seven three five four seven six. That's one triple eight nine seven three Cairo. Hey, let's go talk to Elise over in Port Orchard. Elise, how are you? Oh, bonjour, mon ami. Ah, bonjour, mon ami. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't <laughs> seen you for a long time. I know it's been a year. Holy cow. No. Oh, my God. No, it's been years. I haven't seen. No. <laughs> it has been a long time. I know that. I haven't been to the Flower and Garden Show for several years, so it has to be years. Wow. But anyway, it better be good gardening weather. I have 400 bulbs left to plant. Oh, my but gosh. I sun while I'm talking to you. Kitsap Peninsula is being blessed right now. You're in rain? You're, so you've got sun there? Well, I'll be darned. Well, everybody get out as soon as the show ends and get out in the garden while you got a chance. Yeah, it's raining here, right? 
I came home with two very wet dogs this morning from a walk before the radio show, so, yep. And so now you'll have wet feathers. <laughs> that's right. We will have wet feathers. <laughs> that is a, that's a funny Oh, no, no. Any, anyway, I have a conundrum. Okay. Um, about seven years ago, you said you'd get back to me. Oops. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I called you and asked I have this problem with bearded iris. They revert to a two-tone purple. Oh. You know, I buy them, let's say they're peach or they're the white immortality. Now, I, I can't say those are reverted, but ones that I know have bloomed different colors eventually um, just change into this two-tone purple, like maybe it's the original species bearded iris. Yeah, well, you know, that's interesting. I know. You know, and they're not crowded, which I, you know, I wouldn't think that'd be a thing, well, would you? But have you divided them very often? Well, not very often, but but they're not they're not crowded when they. Oh, I've noticed the reversion. The right, so they're reversion. they're. They're blooming fine, they just revert. Right, right. They're blooming fine, they just revert. Well, the only thing that I can think is that uh, the ones that, those more unusual ones that you're planting are dying out for some reason. And as they die out, whether a seed drops in, you know, something, and so probably once... One of those species ones, the purple color, which is probably way more aggressive and, uh, you know, it probably just outcompetes all those other ones and takes over and kills them out. And so what happens is you only get the purple because they can't compete with this much more aggressive uh, type that you've got in that garden. And I do let them go to seed. I like the seed heads. Yeah, and I think so, that's what's happening. I think the seeds are getting into some of these, and then because the, this type is more vigorous and, uh, you know, probably really tough, they just take over and crowd the other ones out, and and uh, take, and then you end up with nothing but the purple. I'd be willing to bet anything that's what's going on. All right, I'll go with that. <laughs> and, and you know what the problem is? The only way you could beat that is either always cut the seed pods off or try and get rid of all the purple ones to the best of your ability and only go with uh, other colors. But even if even if you let those seed, it may be that one new kind that you get is way more vigorous than the other kind, and it may happen again with those. Yeah, I'll just go with it. I love purple, whatever. Yeah, you know what I like about the purple bearded iris? They smell so good. I was going to say the same thing. They smell like soap. Uh, yeah, soap. Or, uh, some smell like grape juice. Yeah, they're yeah. pretty amazing. Grapey, grapey soap. <laughs> yeah, grapey yeah. soap. I agree. So I love it. <laughs> but, you know, that's really an interesting uh, problem that you have, but... <clears throat> But I think, you know, you could just keep finding new spots that try really cool colors, and you'll get them for a number of years before that problem yeah. 
reasserts itself. So, you know, I'm with you, yeah, though. You can't get rid of all your purple. They're too beautiful. Yeah, they're all beautiful. Yeah. I just love those little caterpillar things on the fall. Oh, that's yeah, a, that's so uh, pretty, that that little beard they've got. I, they're a wonderful yeah, plant. Yeah. Uh, do you have time for one more question? Sure, yeah, you betcha. Oh, okay. Um, I have these mums, and some little critters in my yard like to move the tags around or completely get rid of them, whatever. <laughs> but... Um, I have found a tag that said Red Perfection, but I don't know the name of it. But it's um, a really, really hardy mum. It's not a, you know, a florist mum or anything like that. Right. Um, really cool cut, ferny, almost ferny-like leaves. It gets to be maybe 24 inches tall, tall, and it's just now showing bud color. Oh, my gosh. And it is. I know. It is the reddest red of red you can imagine in a mum with a beautiful gold center that's very intricate. But one of them is actually in full bloom. It's been in full bloom for, I'd say, a month. And the other one is just showing color. It's more sheltered or something. But you know how how we always, you always talk about, and I was going to remind you this um, spring, to pinch back. You know, Asker's mom. Yep. yep. I, there's one thing, don't pinch it back, though. Husker's red pentamen. I found out it only blooms once. Oh, okay. That's good to I know, yeah. Pinch. <laughs> you don't get any show at all. Well, that, you know, and that can, you, you're bringing up a wonderful point, and that is that, yes, with mums especially, and I do this with asters, a bunch of different plants, See, when they sell you these mums and these asters and, and some other plants, they put growth regulators on them. That's why they only get about a foot tall and you get the show you've, of your life. Then oh, next year... rounded mound. And, yeah, yeah, but the next year there's no more of that growth regulator. Up they go to two feet or more. So just like you're saying, what I do is I start early in spring. Once they're up about eight inches even, I'll often cut them down by a third or two-thirds. And uh, I'll do it, you know, a couple of times, maybe at least once a month. But you got to stop in time. If you wait too long, then they they won't set their their buds till too late. And then they may not bloom at all because of the winter coming. So it could be that maybe you shouldn't do the last time that you cut them down and, and they'll bloom a little earlier. Well, that's my question is, I didn't get to it this year. Oh. I, I was going to call and remind you to tell all the, you know, the radio folk to remember to do it because you hadn't said it yet that I had heard anyway. Yeah. But I didn't do it myself. But I was wondering, because we haven't had that, you know, god-awful freeze in November that we always seem to get, um, that would have wiped these out, possibly. But if I pinch them, wouldn't they be blooming even later? They probably would if you pinch too late. Okay. So the key is probably starting in July, stop pinching. As long as you do that, I think you're okay. So try that. Try that next year. Don't pinch after the start of July. 
and let's see what happens. So pinch like mad till July, <laughs> and then uh, let's see if they bloom earlier next year, and I bet you anything they will, and give them a little alfalfa meal, too. That'll really fire them up to bloom like wild banshees. Well, I got to run. At least so nice to talk to you. I remember you coming on a lot of garden tours, and it was always so much fun seeing you. So uh, come to the Flower and Garden Show and say hi to me this year, okay? Okay. All right, Elise. See you later. Okay, everybody. We'll be right back after this on 97.3 Cairo FM. Don't forget, I have time for a call or two. You'll get right in. All right, right back on 97.3 Cairo FM. This show is just blown by. I can't believe how fast it's going. Hey, John and Woodway, thanks a lot for giving me a call. You're welcome, Cisco. I'm one of the cats and gators that listens to you every weekend. Oh, man, thanks a lot. You know, I've given two or three uh, garden talks in private homes in Woodway over the years. There's some pretty nice ones in here. Oh, there's some. There was one home. They had room for 50 people to come to the talk. They had skylights. The whole roof was skylights. That was one of the coolest places I've ever been. I walked in, and they handed me a glass of wine. It was 7 o'clock, and they said, you're not on until 9 o'clock, so have some fun. <laughs> I did, too. <laughs> well, hey, welcome. Uh, Thanks for good. calling. Hey, I got a question on um, now. I got a, a lot of different varieties of plants and, and shrubs and flowers and whatever. But and I and I know that acid-loving plants like acid-loving fertilizer, you know, like um, evergreens and ferns and uh, uh, camellias, uh, like yep. acid-loving. For, but the numbers on 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 the uh, packages, the back of the packages of different fertilizers, they get me confused so much. I, the ones hey, you could shed a little bit of light. Yeah, hey, I understand. I understand 100%. <clears throat> it's actually pretty simple for the most part. So the first number, that's nitrogen. That makes things grow. So if you fertilize your tomato with 10, 5, 5, so that first number is higher than the second one. All it's going to do is grow leaves, but it's not going to set much fruit. The second number is phosphorus. And that is the thing that makes uh, plants bloom. So if you want lots of blooms and also a lot of root growth, by the way, then you want the second number higher than the first. So instead of 10, okay. 5, 5, if you went 5, 10, 5, or whatever, then you're going to get a lot of blooms and a lot of fruit. Now, this is, of course, you know, all in general. And the third number is potash or potassium. And that, that ingredient, that nutrient basically helps with uh, cell strength and disease control. You don't want to overdo it too much with it, but so you always want, you know, a fair amount of that in there. So 
<clears throat> so like a typical tomato fertilizer will be like something like five ten five, and uh, okay, you know it. And most of the time, in all truth, if it's ten ten ten, let's say that's a nice balanced fertilizer. You're going to get lots of growth. You're going to get lots of uh, flowers and fruit. Um, so that would be good too. But um, for lawns, just to add one more thing to it, uh, a lot of experts have studied lawns, <clears throat> and what they've found out is that lawns, because we don't want them to bloom too much. We don't want them to go to seed. We want the grass to grow fast. So, <clears throat> pardon me, most of our grass mixes are a 3-1-2 ratio, so that means like 21-7-14. That would be perfect okay. for grass. So you just got to look at so, that, you know, and it gets confusing, I admit it. But you know what I do a lot? When I go, I use a lot of organic fertilizer. If it says tomato food, I know that's going to be something that's going to make things bloom a lot <laughs> and get fruit. So I figure, all right, tomato food, literally I could fertilize anything except for maybe, you know, the acid-loving plants in my garden with tomato food if I want them to bloom a lot. If I got, let's say I've got uh, gunnera, which is this plant with giant leaves, and I want it to get huge, I'm going to give it organic lawn food, knowing that that stuff is made to make things grow like wild banshees. And uh, so I kind of look at what it says it's for and kind of use that for a decision, too. Well, I'm going to put in here, um, when I'm thinking about that, grow bloom cellular. Yeah, you could do that. And, uh, you know, so, you know, check the numbers. Always keep an eye on them. But uh, really, if if it says for great blooms or something, pick that one. And go organic all you can because they work the best. They're never going to burn your plants. They do a really good job. Okay, well, you know what? I have to run, John, but uh, that was a really good phone call. Because I think we're all confused about these darn fertilizer bags. So, hey, good luck with your garden. And everybody, make sure that you keep getting out in that garden. Because uh, gardening season is not over. You know what I'm going to be doing next week? I'm going to be out digging up a humongous uh, clumping bamboo that I'm tired of. It's going to give me a million places to plant new things. Okay, everybody, listen. We'll see you next week. Brian, thanks so much for a great show. Everybody keep eating your Brussels sprouts. Get out in the garden. Don't forget to take your puppies for a walk. See everybody next week. Bye-bye.